Thank you for listening to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast, available on Podbean, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Podcasts, Amazon Music, and Stitcher. Also, please follow Matt's Movie Reviews on Facebook, YouTube, LinkedIn, Reddit, Instagram, and MeWe. And of course, be sure to visit mattsmoviereviews.net for the latest reviews, top 10 lists, and more. Now, on to the show. Gina Carano will not be returning to The Mandalorian or the Star Wars galaxy amid backlash from a social media post the actress shared. The embassy, the category of politics uh, came up and it's a privileged one that I gave great consideration to. But at this point in my life, with the things I've got, a 13-year-old, 11-year-old, an 8-year-old, the life I'm living right now, the storytelling I want to keep doing, um, it's not the category for me at this point. In this cancel culture, and we all know what I'm talking about, whether you think there is one or there isn't one or where you stand on it, and there's a lot of gray matter there. But without a path to redemption, when you take someone, you found a tweet they wrote seven years ago or a thing that they said, and you expose it and you say, this person should be no more, banish them forever. They're gonna find some place where they are accepted. And it's not gonna be with progressives, which ironically means to be changed, progress. There is a virus here. It kills people. And the only way we prevent it is, is to get vaccinated, to wear masks, to do social distancing, washing your hands all the time, and not just to think about, well, my freedom is being kind of disturbed here. No, screw your freedom. Hello and welcome to the Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast. I am your host, Matthew Peckvich, and this is episode number 396. The end of 2021 is almost here, which means now is the time to look back at the movies and moments that shaped the past year in cinema. Joining me now to talk about the political and social issues within the world of movies is Christian Toto, an award-winning journalist, film critic, founder of HollywoodInToto.com, host of the Write on Hollywood podcast, and also a returning guest to the Matt's Movie Reviews podcast. Christian, I thank you so very much for joining me today. Thanks for having me. I sound like I'm busy. <laughs> that's, a yeah. of, that's a lot of stuff on my plate. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, I think a big reason for that is because you have a book coming out um, on January 18th. Uh, it be released pretty much everywhere where people can get books. Um, it's called Virtual, Virtual Bombs, um, How Hollywood Got Woke and Lost Its Soul. Um, this is uh, really sounds like a really interesting book, Christian. It's got actually got a forward as well by Andrew Andrew Claven, um, who I'm a big fan of, um, and uh, who you are friends with. And he wrote the, the forward for this film uh, for this book. And um, you know, I'm just really curious how how did this kind of book come about for you? Um, was this just something about uh, what's been happening lately in Hollywood? Something you want to put pen to paper? I know it's something you've covered for quite a, a lot of, a long time now. Um, I imagine putting this book together would have been something that you've had on your mind for quite a while. You know, yes and no. Uh, certainly the subject's been on my mind for quite some time, but I really, I was the kind of person who, who wanted to have written a book, but had no real <laughs> ambition to actually write one. It just seemed like a lot of work and I wasn't really focused on what it may, might be. And then I was talking to someone who worked for a book publishing company and he said, well, we should write a book together, meaning we should work together on a collaboration. I thought, well, it's very flattering. 
but what would I write about? And I think, what else could I write about? It's about woke Hollywood, about what's going on in the industry. You know, I got into this whole game because I love movies. I, you know, as a kid, I was watching Abbott and Costello movies with my dad. I, I've loved films ever since. And while I'm very critical of Hollywood in many ways, and certainly politically, I, I love the industry. I mean, it makes me happy. It's what it's been part of my life. It's part of the culture. But I think what's happening with the woke manifestos and the cancel culture crowd is really stifling art and making it less fun to go to the movies. So it turns out that's what I had to write about. And it, it I don't want to say it was easy or quick because it was neither, but it, it did flow. And it was a lot of subjects that were top of mind. And even though, you know, when you write a book, it takes months from the finished product to the, the publication date, it, it, this stuff is still relevant. It still matters that mm. the bigger issues in play are still happening right now. Sadly, I was kind of, it's kind of hoping after I wrote the book, I thought, well, you know, if woke culture goes away, I wouldn't sell any books, but that'll be a really good thing in, in the big picture. But that's not the case. And I think it's going to be a really interesting period for a lot of people because the last year, this year especially, um, in 2020 to certain contexts as well, but I think the COVID situation was so, so rampant at that time, maybe not as many um, uh, moments of, of of kind of like, you know, cancel culture, et cetera, that showed up in 2020 as it did in 2021. But this year especially, I think a lot of people really kind of opened their eyes to kind of like the, the whole kind of, you know, woke Hollywood kind of thing that's going on right now. Um, and, you know, Hollywood has always been, you know, of the left. But I don't think it's really reached the kind of, uh, you know, levels that it has in the, in the past year. What do you think it's been in the past year especially um, that has seen people, uh, Hollywood especially, um, become more woke than, than ever before? Yeah, I mean, I think there's a, there's a dividing line here. You know, Hollywood is generally left of center. And that's perfectly acceptable. It's their right. They could be right. They could be left. They could be in the center, wherever you want to talk about their positions. But woke is sort of the next step. It's sort of an aggressive far left move. And just to give a couple examples, there have been actors and comedians in recent months who have been stung by this sort of woke sentimentality. And uh, Sarah Silverman comes to mind. Mm. She is certainly a very progressive comedian. And she's talked about how she did blackface years ago. And, and it was done as a critique of racism, but that didn't matter. She actually lost what she called a pretty uh, exciting film role because of it. And ever since then, she's been more critical of cancel culture and more discerning about what's going on. Uh, Jim Gaffigan is a similar situation, certainly a left of center guy. He loathes President Trump. And uh, he got some critiques on a recent movie of his because it didn't focus on women. Well, it was a story about a father and son, and that's okay. You know, you can make movies about women, you can make movies about men, you can make movies about both. But he was really struck by the criticism of the subject matter. And I think that kind of wakened him up a little bit. And also more recently, Aaron Sorkin is getting heat because of comments he made. He thinks actors should just act and they can play different roles and, you know, maybe play people of different ethnicities sometimes that it shouldn't be a deal breaker. And he's getting some heat for that as well. So sometimes when the artists, whether they're on the left or right, when they get personally stung, it wakes them up to what's going on. Well, let's have a look at this past year. And one of the kind of first big moments where that kind of touched on many of the issues that are in your book and what you just talked about now is a whole Gina Carano issue that happened way back in February. I mean, I don't know whether it's just me getting older, but it feels like this year has just gone like it's gone really, really slow. And it feels like this thing happened 10 years ago, let alone, you know, 11 months ago. Um, but, you know, what happened with her was, I think it was really kind of like a, a wake-up call for a lot of people. So it was back in February 2nd. She made a bunch of controversial posts on Instagram, specifically um, Disney 
uh, who she was working for at the time did not really take a liking to the, the things she was saying. And essentially, they booted her from the Mandalorian show, which for people who don't know is essentially a Star Wars spin-off show that's available on Disney Plus. And Gina Carano is one of the most popular actors on that show. Um, and, and not only did they boot her off that show, they, they essentially, essentially said that she will not appear in any other Star Wars projects or Disney projects as, as well. Um, do you consider that kind of moment, the whole Gina Carano issue, the kind of unofficial start of the year of cancer culture that was 2021? Yeah, I think it's a great example. I think there's been a partially happy ending to her story, which is hopeful and, and optimistic because the Daily Wire swooped in and said, hey, let's make a movie together. Mm. And now she she's already made one. I don't know. She may make more movies with the Daily Wire. We'll have to see. But uh, I had the chance to meet her recently on the set of the movie in question, The Terror on the Prairie. And I have to say, I don't, I'm not fully allowed to speak on the project because of embargo purposes, but she was a delight as a person. She was just couldn't be any sweeter and kinder. And she really described what she went through. And basically, Disney was telling her, shh, quiet, shut up. Don't say anything more. You're sort of on a double secret probation if you say anything that we don't agree with. And she said it anyway. Um, and, you know, what I, I think what is really important, though, is that you could disagree with some of the things she said, or you could have arguments about it. But what she said wasn't outrageous, wasn't vicious. And yet many, many celebrities say far worse. Bette Midler just screams to mind. She's a nasty soul on, on social media. Yeah. And she's fine. She's actually working at Disney Plus right now to make a, a Hocus Pocus sequel. So I think it's a great example of what's going on in the culture. I think kudos to her for speaking her mind and not being bowed by the woke mob. And uh, there was, you know, at least in some ways, um, she was able to bounce back with the Daily Wire. And when I spoke to her, she seemed to indicate, it was just a little vague on it, that she may be, you know, working on other projects as well, maybe within the Hollywood ecosystem. So, you know, I think the more people who speak up, who stand tall and who take the punishment, they may emerge stronger and more uh, have a brighter future. She's also a producer on on the next film that she's working on uh, with the Daily Wire at the moment. The whole Daily Wire aspect of it is really interesting because I think it's kind of like what you are doing in regards to your podcast, in regards to your website, where you're uh, offering a platform for different, you know, a political thought, et cetera. I mean, um, you know, in regards to Hollywood and Toto, it's essentially it's the tagline for that is on the right side of, of, of entertainment. When it comes to something like Daily Wire, and they now have their own kind of like, you know, streaming services and now they're making movies, et cetera, how important is it that there um, is a variety in regards to, um, you know, different political viewpoints in Hollywood, that there are places where people can go where they feel like they are ostracised at, say, a Disney or or a HBO that can go somewhere like a Daily Wire where they can work without having fear of being fired for something they post on social media? Well, I think it's a twofold benefit. One is you're going to get stories that maybe the mainstream Hollywood community wouldn't tell. And I think what the Daily Wire is trying to do is not be overtly political, but maybe be edgy, maybe be something, you know, sharing stories that are a little bit controversial, or maybe certain stories that would, uh, you know, not be completely embraced by uh, Tinseltown. And I think the movie that they didn't make, but they acquired, I think is a great example, Run, Hide, Fight, Mm. from a few months back. It's about a school shooting, which is obviously a delicate subject. And it's about a young student, a female, who um, is proficient with guns, and it's her school, and she starts to fight back. 
Now, that's a tender subject. There, you know, no one wants to read about school shootings. It's one of the most horrifying things we can think about. But I think as an artist, it's certainly within uh, his or her rights to tell a story like that. And you could even argue it's empowering that just we don't just sit back and let the bad guys, you know, wreck mayhem that maybe we could do something. And maybe that's fantasy land and maybe there are certain issues and maybe that's not for everyone. But the Daily Wire said, you know what, it's a good movie. And if other, you know, studios won't touch it, we will. So I think that's great. But I think more importantly, uh, you know, if you're an artist and your views are being uh, punished by the mainstream, you could work at the Daily Wire. You know, you could be someone like Nick Searcy, who's an excellent actor and, uh, you know, throws a lot of sharp elbows on social media from the right. And he just made a movie with them. And he's, you know, doing projects on his own. I think he still will work within mainstream Hollywood. But I think it's basically saying, listen, if they cancel you, we've got a welcome mat to put out for you. Yeah. And that really helps because that emboldens people to say, you know what? I want to say what I want to say. And, and, if, and if Project X won't hire me, maybe the Daily Wire will. Maybe some other group will. Maybe, you know, the Daily Wire's stance will embolden other people. I think it's a really positive sign. I think so, too. Um Talking, you know, the opposite of Daily Wire, which has these arms open to, to you know, fil filmmakers, um, is Amazon Prime. Um, you know, I'm spe speaking specifically for documentary filmmakers. So back in February, they pretty much decided to stop ex accepting documentaries, like new documentaries on their platform. Um, and then the following month in March, they actually removed a documentary about um, Clarence Thomas. Um, the documentary was called Created Equal Clarence Thomas in his own words. Um, by all accounts, people were watching the movie and, and, and liked it as well. Um, but for some reason, um, and maybe the reasons are, are obvious considering who owns Amazon, um, you know, they removed that documentary and then they said, well, we're not going to accept any more documentaries as well. Do you think this is a case of Amazon just getting a little, I don't know uh, how what the word is, maybe just a little uh, um, paranoid that maybe their platform has become... Um, you know, a place where filmmakers, conservative filmmakers um, about conservative issues can post uh, their movies and it's just something they weren't comfortable with? It's disturbing. And it's also interesting in that Amazon will never answer your questions about that. Mm. I've reached out to them. I think others have, have as well to find out, you know, what's going on? Why was this particular movie, you know, taken down? Why did they uh, initially say that the movie What Killed Michael Brown, which is expertly crafted, that it didn't meet their quality standards. What does that mean? You, you've got a lot of junk on your platform and I don't mind that, you know, there's room for everything from high quality cinema to absolute garbage. But what we're seeing across the, the societal um, landscape is these big tech platforms flexing their muscle against ideologies they don't agree with. And yeah. I, I, I can't think of another reason why those two particular films face strong headwinds from Amazon. And I think the shame of it is that this is a real story. And I think maybe in NBC News or the Washington Post or the New York Times, they should have rallied behind it and say, hey, Amazon, what's going on? And force them to answer those questions and to reveal their thinking. But, you know, if I reach out to them, I don't have a massive platform and I'm certainly of the right. They just greet me with silence. But I think these are questions that we need answers to. And I do think in a way it does open up other opportunities. I, I think the Daily Wire may have been streaming the Clarence Thomas film. I think some other platforms were as well. They may have kind of shifted back and forth. But, you know, what we're seeing now is that if, they, if Amazon says, no dice, you're out, it will 
embolden other platforms to say, you know what, we're going to take a chance in this. We we want to have this on our platform and uh, give it to the public. So I'm glad those options exist, but at the same time, it's Amazon. It's a massive platform mm. and they've got all the money and power and influence in the world. And when they're, when they reject something, it does have a, a cultural impact and far few people, fewer people will see it. In not only that, it has an impact on independent filmmakers. A lot of documentary films are made by independent filmmakers because it's a, you know, people with low budgets can make a documentary and, and make it, you know, you don't have to have uh, the greatest cinematography in the world. Um, you don't have to have, you know, the greatest score in the world, but you can make an interest, interesting film with uh, with the, in, within the documentary medium. And I, and I remember talking to a couple of filmmakers who had their documentaries um, submitted to Amazon. Amazon simply said, no, we're not going to take these films anymore. And for them, um, it was a big blow because that was a platform that they could uh, rely on to get their films out there. And if, in having talked to many filmmakers, as I have, uh, Christian, uh, it's one thing to make a film. It's another thing to actually get the film distributed and put out there into, into the world for people to watch. Yeah, it's a real problem. You know, there are more solutions than before, uh, more ways to get it out there. You know, just YouTube or Vimeo or Rumble, those are methods as well. And sometimes they're effective. But, you know, again, when you have an Amazon, it's, it's, it's so big and its reach is so expansive that really does hurt. And uh, the lack of transparency for these re- for these explanations and these decisions, it really it really frustrates me. It should should frustrate everyone. And it, it's sad that this becomes a partisan issue. You know, the New York Times should be championing free speech and saying, why did Amazon remove the Clarence Thomas story? And I believe it happened during Black History Month, which was the mm. the icing on the sensorial cake. So you know, that's it's. It's happening more and more. And what I also am seeing is that sometimes when these platforms get pushback, they do change their minds. The What Killed Michael Brown movie was initially blocked and it seemed like a final decision had been made, but then they relented. I think there may have been a story from the Wall Street Journal in that particular film. So that's a big, big outlet. And when they started talking about it, when they started pushing back, Amazon buckled. But uh, we need that pushback. It's important. And, uh, you know, kudos to them. But I think more outlets should be doing just that. And if it was a left of center film and it was banned for unclear reasons, unfair reasons, I'd be angry about that, too. I want all voices out there. Absolutely. I think it's really important that all platforms give um, voices to all kinds of uh, uh, filmmakers and to really express, um, you know, their viewpoints. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by 80s Tees. 80s Tees is an online retailer of licensed t-shirts and pop culture gear from your favorite movies, TV shows, cartoons, video games, comic books, and musicians. Celebrate your inner 80s nerd and click on the link in the show notes below to get the raddest retro t-shirts delivered to your door. The Matt's Movie Reviews Podcast is brought to you by Loot Crate. Founded in 2012, Loot Crate is the worldwide leader in fan subscription boxes. Loot Crate partners with industry leaders in entertainment, gaming, sports, and pop culture to deliver monthly themed crates, produce interactive experiences in digital content, and film original video productions. No matter what you geek out about, Loot Crate has a subscription box for you. To get your very own exclusive collectibles, apparel, and gear delivered to your door, be sure to click on the link in the show notes below. 
The Matt's Movie Reviews podcast is also brought to you by Voodoo. Watch the latest movies and TV shows anytime, anywhere. No subscriptions, no contract. Enjoy stunning quality in up to 4K ultra high definition at home and download and watch on your mobile device as well. To rent and buy from over 100,000 titles or watch thousands of movies free with Voodoo Movies on us, be sure to click on the link in the show notes below. Now, back to the show. Speaking about, uh, you know, we're talking about, you know, politics here in, in Hollywood. You know, a lot of people, a lot of celebrities, you know, talk like politicians, but they they don't really walk the talk. Um, one um, actor who nearly much did that uh, was Matthew McConaughey. Um, look, and everyone loves Matthew McConaughey. I um, mean, you know, he's not only an Oscar-winning filmmaker, he's very much the kind of celebrity that I think most people would like, like to sit down and have a beer with, you know, he's that kind of guy, very much the everyday man. Um, and he was really contemplating uh, for a long time to run as the governor of Texas um, uh, next year. Um, it's, he recently announced um, during his press for Sing 2 that he won't run. Um, and I think, in my opinion, the thing that really kind of spooked him out of that was the kind of the whole abortion law issue in, in Texas um, because, you know, a celebrity like him, an actor like him, um, it's all about their kind of like the face that they put out into the world, um, how they can be marketed in certain films, how they can be marketed with their certain projects. And dealing with an issue like abortion, I think would have been a real hot potato that he did not want to handle in any way. Do you think, do you have the same feeling, Christian, did McConaughey get spooked by the whole abortion law issue? Um, is that the reason why he didn't run? I don't know if it's a specific reason, but I think it probably gave him a, a, a teaser of what was going to happen next. No idea why in the world a, a handsome, successful, talented movie star would even contemplate this. Uh, but, but that's what he did. You know, it, it, as soon as he starts making decisions and sharing his uh, positions on certain key issues, all the pleasant, nice Matthew McConaughey stories would vanish. Yeah. He might get attacked from the left. He might get attacked on the right. He might get attacked from both. So I, I, you know, it's possible that the, by dipping a toe in it, he realized how uh, how dangerous those waters were, and he just backed away. But you know, we're living in a tough cultural time where people, you know, I, I would see him as maybe a gently left of center soul with some right leanings. But you know, I think we're we're having trouble being nuanced in our culture, and we kind of want to put people in positions and camps and sides. And I think that would be a real problem for him. And uh, you know, again, if you've got 20 plus years of adulation, and he seems like a very a genuinely nice fellow and a talented one, all of a sudden that that goes away. And that might have been a wake-up call for him. I think it's um such a tricky minefield to wade through when you kind of go the whole political road. I mean, someone who's a big example of that for me is like Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, he said some things this year which I think put off a lot of people that were fans of his for quite a long time. Um, the whole kind of screw your freedom um, <laughs> quote that he had this year in regards to COVID hesitation, in regards to vaccines. Um, I think a lot of people really did not like that quite a bit, especially considering that his background as a politician is very much is a conservative Republican. I mean, he was a Republican governor of Los Angeles, but the way that he's been talking lately in regards to a lot of issues and that quote, especially the whole kind of screw your freedom thing, I think it's damaged his um, credibility quite a bit in, in the eyes of a lot of people. 
Yeah, I was sad to hear that. You know, listen, if Schwarzenegger comes out and has a policy debate and thinks about maybe I think the minimum wage should be X or Y, and I disagree and you disagree, you know, I don't think we lose much sleep over that. But when he says screw your freedom, that's a different thing. It's it's a it's a it's a pretty sizable difference. And yeah, yeah, I I don't know where he goes at this point. His movie career is essentially over. He may still work, but Mm. he just is no longer a draw. He hasn't been for a while. And I actually thought it was kind of sad because when he made The Last Stand a few years back, I think that was his unofficial, hey, I'm back in movies, gang. No one saw it. It was actually a pretty good film. And I think he's actually become a better actor in his in his later years. But there's just not an appetite for him as a movie star at this point. So he'll keep working. But yeah, and I think politically, he's a bit of a, I don't know where he belongs anymore. He's certainly very pro uh, climate change and we need to do something. And that puts him on the left of the cycle. And I'm sure he still has some right of center views, but it kind of puts him without a home in a way. And I don't even know if he wants that. He's in his 70s now. I don't think he's running for office. I don't know where he goes from here, but I I, I just want kindness out of my actors. I, I And even my politicians too. You know, I, I, I voted for Trump, but I, I really abhorred that side of him. So I don't know where Arnold goes from here. I, I, I'm sad when he said that. It was, it seemed like, it seemed like the opposite of everything he stood for in a way. Very true, because I think a lot of people saw him as kind of like the ultimate uh, American success story because, you know, of course, he's an immigrant from a different country, came to America. He had a dream to do uh, the impossible, which was become a huge, uh, you know, movie star. And he did that no matter the limitations that he had in regards to his accent, in regards to um, his physique, etc. Um, he did it. And I think a lot of that had to do with the fact that he came to a country with, in which freedoms allowed him to be who he is and, and to, you know, have that pursuit of happiness and to say something like, screw your freedom. I think, uh, yeah, it was very disappointing. Absolutely. Um, you know, an interesting, interesting thing happened to me when I was watching the latest Spider-Man uh, movie. As you know, these Marvel movies, you have, you have to stay for the for the end credits, right? So you go through, you sit down, you watch the credits and, and such. And I and, and at the end of the credits, just before the uh, the whole um, uh, you know hidden scene popped up, it said uh, up on the screen was thank you to the you know the people of Georgia for your hospitality, etc. You know, and I said Georgia. Wait a minute, I thought Hollywood stopped filming movies in Georgia, didn't they? Back in 2019 with the whole heartbeat war, there was a whole kind of boycott against that. Um, clearly, that didn't stick. Um, what do you know about what, what's happening there? Because there was a lot of huff and puff from a lot of different people, from Netflix and other studios and filmmakers and directors, um, about you know not making films there anymore. But clearly, they are making films there and it doesn't look like they're going to stop anytime soon. You know, I think it's typical of what Hollywood does. They they latch onto a subject, a cause, and they're very vocal and they're very passionate. And they may be coming from a very um, personal space in that arena, but they often don't have follow through. You know, um, if if celebrities raise a lot of money for a particular cause, do they follow back in six to twelve months and say, "Okay, how is that money?" distributed? Did it work out the way we thought it would? I think there's a lot of a lack of follow through there in Hollywood across the board. I thought one of the issues where it really mattered was a lot of celebrities pushed the defund the police movement. Mm. And uh, that was that was hip and cool. And they were very vocal about it. And uh, six to 12 months later, they went silent and actually reached out to several celebrities who had been very vocal toward that. And I said, hey, you know, do you still is that something you still believe in? Are you still a proponent of that? And I, 
you know, at the time that the numbers were coming in about the rising crime rates, it seemed like there was a direct cause and effect. But of course, the actors didn't respond. And of course, you know, no other outlet will do that. Not that I'm some sort of journalistic hero. Everyone should be doing that. It seems like a common sense thing. Yeah. But, you know, what a lot of outlets don't want to do is they don't want to embarrass these celebrities. They don't want to kind of demean them for their left of center beliefs. So that's that's that. But yeah, it, it just it's just what Hollywood does. They're very loud. And then they move on to the next shiny object. And that's what we saw with Georgia, as we saw with the defund the police. And, uh, you know, the current U.S. president is stumbling and bumbling right now. And Hollywood en masse told him that he was our savior. And, you know, we're not going to get anyone, you know, asking these celebrities, you know, what do you think about President Biden now? It seems like he's had a pretty unsuccessful first year. What are your thoughts? You won't get any response. It kind of reminds me about when Trump won. A lot of people before that said um, they would leave America and move to Canada or move to Australia. I think Alec Baldwin was one of them. Maybe perhaps Rosie O'Donnell, but I'm not sure. I don't remember anyone actually uh, going through with those threats there, did they? No. Listen, you're a celebrity. You get a lot of attention. You get a lot of money. You get a lot of fame. And And there's a. it feels good to kind of speak out on these issues. But I don't think they have a lot of credibility. There are some exceptions. I mean, Michael J. Fox used his fame and his personal situation to, to you know, fund research for Parkinson's disease. And I think Angelina Jolie, I think, is one of those celebrities who will go to different countries and do the hard work and research and and use her name and cachet to try to help. And I, I appreciate that. I, I, I love celebrities who do the very simple but meaningful act of dressing up in their favorite characters and going to kids' hospitals. and. Mm lightening their lives. It's a wonderful thing. I think, I think celebrities can do a lot of good and they, they often will rally if there's a tornado or a hurricane, a natural disaster, they'll, they'll send millions of dollars their way. I mean, those are all good things. Celebrities can do good for the country and the world, but I also think they're just short-sighted and often it's the media's fault in that if the media held them accountable for all their activism, true activism, I think they'd be better at it. <laughs> I think they would do the follow-up and it's, it's a little reminiscent of the, uh, I also covered the Me Too incidents and the Time's Up organization, which absolutely imploded in 2021. Yeah. And there were many big celebrities who were rallying behind that group when it first organized. Well, where are they now? Aren't they upset? Aren't they disappointed? They they wrote some pretty large checks to that group and didn't get much bang for their buck. Uh, what do they have to say? Well, I've reached out to them and they say nothing. It's yeah. just the way it does. I think a really recent example of how kind of like celebrities have a certain kind of arrogance in regards to the issues that they're really um, flexing on, especially on on social media, is a whole Kyle Rittenhouse um, uh, court case. I mean, that was just like a, you know, just like just the kind of thing that everyone was just watching and everyone was commentating on. Um, you know, and the, the the odd thing about it is that even me in Sydney, Australia, so far away from the States and so far away with what's happening over there, um, I knew what was, you know, the facts of the case and it was just kind of amusing somewhat to watch people comment on the case and get all the facts incredibly wrong. It's just kind of parroting the same kind of lines over and over again that uh, a lot of the mainstream media were, were talking about. Um, and one actor who really kind of stood head up and shoulders above everyone else in regards to the arrogance of their, uh, in regards to their commentary on the whole Kyle Rittenhouse thing was Mark Ruffalo. Um, so after Kyle Rittenhouse was found not guilty, um, Mark Ruffalo 
actually um, put together a, a tweet that said, um, we come together to mourn lives lost to the same racist system that devalues black lives and though the lives of Anthony and Jojo. Now, that sounds okay on the surface, but anyone who knew anything about this case and about the people that you um, mentioned in his tweet, um, the Jojo in question um, was Joseph Rosenbaum. And, you know, he has a very, very, very uh, shady uh, criminal past, which includes sexual abuse of children. Uh, considering Mark Ruffalo has made, uh, you know, his biggest role is in, is that of entertaining children or playing the Hulk in Marvel Studios. It kind of is befuddling to me that he would not only call the band Jojo, but he will kind of mourn him in that way. I mean, what the hell is going on here with this guy? Is it that he just doesn't know about what about the case? Was it just a, the thing, a thing that, you know, this is his chance to kind of, you know, be like the left-wing hero and just put his uh, opinion out there because everyone else is? Yeah, it's a great question. I don't know. I, I feel like I want to give him the benefit of the doubt that he doesn't realize the, just the shocking past that that one person had and what his what he was, um, you know, charged with. It's just it's just disgusting. And you could still argue that he shouldn't be dead. Although when you look at what happened on video, it's, you know, certainly he played a significant role in his own demise. I don't know. And again, these are interesting, juicy questions that you think Variety or the Hollywood Reporter would directly ask Mark Ruffalo's representatives, you know, what does your client think about this? It'll never happen. Mm. I didn't reach out to Ruffalo directly about this issue. He would ignore me. His people would ignore me. I, I kind of knew that. I mean, sometimes it's worthwhile to do it anyway, and I often do. But yeah, I mean, you know, to, to paraphrase Spidey, you know, with great power comes great responsibility. And a lot of these actors have millions and millions of followers on social media. And, you know, I, I think we all have a kind of a, a, an, an obligation in a way not to share aggressively fake news. And if you've got millions of people following you and, and thinking that you're smart and engaged and well-researched and you're sharing nonsense, that's an issue. And uh, I, I wrote about this recently. Actors don't really follow that code. They just say what they want to say. They move on. They're not held responsible. They don't fact check themselves when they're proven completely inaccurate. They just kind of move on to the next subject. There are no consequences. And so millions of people have gotten fake information. That's a, a you know, baldly fake. You know, looking at all of these stories that we just talked about and, you know, the, re the swift reaction that some of these celebrities have gotten and some of the support that uh, other people like Gina Carano has gotten as well, what do you think 2022 is going to look like in regards to this type of um, social activism um, from celebrities? Do you think um, it's still going to be as strong? I mean, I know you have um, what, what what elections are next year in uh, in, uh, in America? Is that for the Senate? Is that is that correct? It's the um, midterm elections, so the House yeah. and Senate are impacted directly. I can uh, imagine. You know, I, I think we'll see more of the same. If not, it'll be more hyperbolic because the. Uh, you could say that this current year was sort of quieter because there was no major election at stake that had significant consequences, but that won't be the same next year. And what we're seeing on, on the left side of the aisle, which I, I just can't really process it. I don't understand it. I'm trying to kind of be in their shoes, but there's this whole new strain of, you know, democracy is over if the GOP wins. There, and I think we're going to see a lot of that in the next six to 12 months from celebrities Again, they're not fact-checked. They don't bring out co cogent arguments in any cases, not always, but many. And so I think that will ramp up dramatically, this sort of fear 
uh, component of the election cycle. And will it have an impact? I don't think so. I think people are going to really respond to what's the economy doing? What's the pandemic situation? Do I have a job or inflation rates still going, you know, skyrocketing? I think that matters more than what Mark Ruffalo says. But I, I do think it, it cheapens the public discourse. And I, I wish I wish the stars would be more thoughtful in their responses. Considering the really bad showing that Joe Biden has had so far as the president of the United States and that so many people in Hollywood um, from, say, I don't think Mark Ruffalo did back him. I think he backed um, Bernie Sanders. But people like Dwayne Johnson, for example, he he used his platform in a big way, um, especially on YouTube, to really advocate for Biden and Harris. And uh, I'm sure he regrets doing that now because he's got egg on his face. Do you think maybe there will be a case where some celebrities won't be as emboldened as they were before, considering the reason a Trump in the White House to rally against um, when it comes to these election issues? I wish that were the case. I don't think so. Maybe individually, there may be some who kind of stand down. And I think Dwayne Johnson is a good example because he often doesn't get political. That was sort of a uh, an atypical move on his part. I mean, even Mel Brooks, who's a pretty, pretty just a comedy sir and ma'am uh, approach kind of got political. But I, I mean, I think they see this as an existential threat to the country. That's the way they view it, rightly or wrongly. And I think they'll, they'll behave accordingly. And um, again, there are no consequences here. If, you know, there are people who promoted Michael Avenatti, who is the lawyer who was heavily involved with Trump, and then he just, you know, his fall from grace was cataclysmic. Mm. And no one, no one really was you know, held accountable for promoting him as a, as a credible source. Uh, it's just, there's, we're living in a time of no shame and no accountability across the culture. And it's really damaging to the institutions that we should be trusting. So yeah, I don't see, I don't see a wave of, of maturity uh, sweeping over Hollywood. I just see more of the same because there are no consequences. Well, 2022 is going to be the perfect time for people to get their hands on virtue bombs how Hollywood Got Woke and Lost Its Soul, written by Christian Toto, who's my guest here today, forwarded um, by Andrew Claven. I think uh, your book is, is dropping at the exact right time because I think 2022, um, you know, could possibly be a turning point for the way that people approach a lot of these issues. While, you know, the certain media and in uh, movie studios won't, you know, penalise celebrities for saying silly things. I think the public might, um, you know, and I, I really do think that with um, post-COVID, with, you know, people struggling to go back to the cinema, this is the time right now for a lot of, you know, people to just kind of like, you know, keep their opinions to themselves and just let their work do, do, the, do the, you know, talking for them. Um, and I think, you know, Virtue Bombs is really going to lay out the reasons why. It's going to be a really interesting read. I can't wait to read it myself. Um, um, I'm not sure yourself, Christian, having you know, worked on the film and not long now until the book releases. I mean, we're looking at around like three weeks until it happens. Um, you're going to be very excited for to have people uh, read the book and have it on their shelves. Yeah, I hope so. And, you know, at the end of the day, I, I like I mentioned in the beginning, I I do love Hollywood. I love movies. I love getting lost in cinema. I recently watched Spider-Man No Way Home and it was just pure joy. It, you know, listen, there are flaws in it. It was silly at times, but I really just, it was just pure escapism. And I, I love that aspect of Hollywood. I love more challenging films, but I, I, I think what's happening with this woke mindset is that it really impedes storytelling, creativity. It stops comedians from taking risks 
from making us challenge our, our uh, preconceptions on certain issues. And I think those are all negative things. And I, I think we should be mature enough as a culture where I can be insulted and you can be insulted and the, the politicians that we hold dear are insulted and it's okay. We can think about it. We can process it. We can fire back in a, in a, in a you know, intellectual way. Those are all good things, but I, I just, I'm so disheartened by the trend in Hollywood. And I, I think my biggest sadness about woke in general is that where are the Tom Hanks's and the George Clooney's and the Denzel Washington's and the, the Meryl Streep, sort of the giants of the industry? Why aren't they speaking out for free expression for their fellow artists? You know, uh, Stephen Colbert yucks it up about cancel culture and how certain Dr. Seuss books are no longer available on, on the bookshelf. I don't think Stephen Colbert should be taking that stance. He should be aghast at what's going on, mm. that a very select group of people were outraged by a very select group of images and they decided that the entire culture no longer can access them. That's just wrong. And uh, it makes me sad that so few people are taking the bold stand. And then it takes someone like Gina Carano, who is a, you know, you could say in the big picture, a minor actress, you know, she isn't a superstar and she stood tall and she braved the blowback and she's fighting back. Why can't they do it? And I think if they did it, if they came out in mass and spoke up for free expression and free, you know, creativity and, and against these rules, I think that would change the culture. I really do. And I, I just, I don't think that's going to happen in 2022, sadly. So for everyone out there, Virtue Bombs, How Hollywood Got Woke and Lost Its Soul releases January 18. You can order it from where we can get all your books. Um, and also be, please make sure to check out hollywoodintoto.com to read Christian's reviews and also listen to Write on Hollywood podcast. Um, I've been listening uh, to your podcast, uh, Christian. I've really been enjoying the interviews you had. You had Andrew Irwin uh, from American Underdog, the director of that film on your last episode. Sasha Stone you had on the episode before that talking about Oscars. It's, it's a, I really like the way that uh, you re rebooted the podcast. And, um, yeah, I, I can't wait to, to read your book and uh, – and listen to every more of your reviews and hopefully in the future we can uh, talk again about movies because it's always a pleasure having you on. Well, thank you so much. And one of, one of the things I hope to do more of in 2022 is have people who are left of center on my show, either just to talk about their art and their, what they've been up to, or even just have a respectful debate on issues that matter most to us. So uh, I think the more of that, the better. And uh, I appreciate your time. Absolutely. Christian, I thank you very much. Thanks.